and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today's guest is founder and CEO of Peach and Lily, Alicia Yoon. In this episode, we discuss how Alicia helped bring Korean beauty to the U.S., her omni-channel approach towards engaging customers, and why you should all be incorporating snail slime into your skincare routine. We hope you enjoy the episode. So today on the show, we have Alicia Yoon from Peach and Lily, the fantastic e-commerce site that specializes in Korean beauty. Thank you, Alicia, for being here today. Thank you for having me. So Alicia, when you first got started in 2012 with Peach and Lily, um, it was the first of its kind. What were you thinking in terms of what Korean beauty could come and do for the American beauty market? So in 2012, there actually wasn't a lot of Korean beauty in the U.S. market. There were a few brands that you can find in the popular beauty retail stores, and otherwise, you would have to go pretty deep into eBay and you know really hunt your way through you know Koreatown or Chinatown, and even then, the assortment was very limited. I grew up in Korea, and I went to esthetician school in Korea. So when I came to the U.S. for college, um, I thought I loved Korean beauty because that's where I grew up and I was giving my friends and friends of friends facials with these Korean beauty products and they all really love the products. But I always thought, well, I just gave them a great facial. So, you know, I think maybe they're kind of biased. And when I was a consultant at the Boston Consulting Group, one of my clients was a global beauty brand and the cosmetic chemist there kind of, it was just banter. But he really was like, did you know your country makes some of the most innovative and advanced skincare? And he showed me some of the lab results and the science behind the formulas. That's not evident when you're just looking at the ingredient list, just how stable certain interesting combinations of ingredients could be, how absorbable the formula is. So it really works at a cellular level for skin, just the results that you're seeing, like if it's reducing redness, you know, it's really just doing that quickly without irritating skin, like all of these things that it's just really hard to, to know how advanced that science is unless you're in a lab. So that was in 2012, earlier that year. And that was my aha moment. You know, it had been 12 years since I moved to the U.S. for college at that point. I grew up in the U.S. first and then moved to Korea when I was 12. I always say that because people are like, you're English, you have no Korean accent. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I think understanding that there are these incredibly innovative and advanced technologies out there in beauty, and it's just not available in an easy way in the U.S. market. That was my moment where I was like, I have to start Peach and Lily to bring these products over to the U.S. And my hope there wasn't necessarily that, you know, people would just replace all of their routines with Korean beauty products only. But here's another tool in your beauty chest of things that you can use to really, really transform your skin and help you in your skincare towards really a lifetime of healthy skin. So that was really the goal. Um, And I think as an esthetician and with that goal in mind, it was really important to us that Peach and Lily stay true to that mission. So there were a couple things that we really focused on that we haven't changed or even made any exceptions for for the last seven years. 
Number one, it's the curation. So if you're really starting up a new product category, like this Korean beauty category in the U.S., if you kind of come with a few products or brands that are okay or even subpar, it can kind of put a bad impression on the whole category. So we took that curation job extremely seriously. And to this day, still only about 5% of brands we look at really make our cut and onto our site. So we do an incredible amount of legwork, including focus group testing and so forth to kind of make that curation the best of the best. The second thing we focused on is education. And this isn't just education about Korean beauty, but education about your skin. So anyone who so anyone who asks us a skincare question, only our in-house licensed estheticians are allowed to answer those questions. And it's all complimentary. That was a big investment on our end, but that was important for us to really stick to that mission of helping people transform their skin to just a healthier version of what's going on. Um, and so that was those were the two things that we really stuck to. And that was the hope and still remains the hope today to really help people with their skin. Alicia, when you, um, for, for some of our guests who are, or for some of our viewers who may not know exactly what Korean beauty is, tell us a little bit about um, what that stands for and what um, you guys are doing at Peach and Lily to kind of further that message. So Korean beauty, a lot of people might have heard snippets about it. And I would say that there's a few things that come to mind that are big differences in you know beauty that you might find in other countries. Number one, there's the famed sort of multi-step routine. And at its core, what that really means is you're focusing on gentle, kind of very targeted layers of skincare to hydrate skin and gently transform skin, transforming sort of like one concern at a time. So it's all very like gentle and a little bit more long-term focused, but the results are yours to keep (laughs) and it's not an overnight fix. Although some of these products, I mean, you'll see results right away. Um, Another thing that Korean beauty, I think, Another thing that stands out about Korean beauty to me is just there's this fun element to it. Um, Skincare isn't a chore. It's fun. The packaging is fun. You know, just the way that you engage with your routine can be fun. You know, just the sensorial experience could be fun. You know, there are masks that really, really detox the skin, but then it tingles and bubbles in a fun way. Um, Another thing that comes to mind that makes Korean beauty stand out to me is the use of a lot of of innovative ingredients. So um, so some of you may have heard about snail mucin, and that's a power ingredient that was popularized in Korea. And it sounds, you know, a little bit off-putting at first, but let me reassure you that the snail mucin is an incredible ingredient. Um, we carry, you know, a lot of products that use snail mucin. No snails are harmed. Mm. Um, and it's really this purified, filtrated snail mucin that's collected and it helps do everything for skin. Helps brighten skin, helps keep acne at bay, helps regenerate skin, helps hydrate, all without any heaviness or greasiness. Um, you have other ingredients like micro needles that you can use in a serum. So it actually tingles when you put it on. It's actually hydrolyzed sponge. 
And it works like very similarly to microneedling. So you see really kind of intensive scarring fade and things like that. So I think when I think about Korean beauty, yeah, definitely that stands out as well. The use of just these really incredible and different and unique ingredients. Um, But I would say at its core, it's an understanding of, I would say at its core, it's all about achieving healthy skin. So having healthy, radiant skin is a long-held beauty ideal in Korea. And it's not actually about looking pretty. It's about self-care. So when you're a toddler, you know, like your your mom is going to help you or your, your, your parent is going to help you brush your teeth and teach you those things. In Korea, it was, okay, here's how you brush your teeth and here's how you apply lotion. Here's how you brush your teeth and here's how you apply SPF. You know, and I remember, you know, I was like, two years old, you know, and it's just a part of your self-care ritual. So at its core, it's all about achieving healthy skin. So talk to me a little bit. I'm, you've been around since 2012 and you started as your own e-commerce retail site. And you've also been able to kind of become this authority for other retailers like Sephora's, like QVC, like Target. You've partnered with these other retailers and really helped blown out their own Korean beauty experiences. What was that like? And how did you kind of figure out that that was a way to bring Korean beauty to the American mass market? So when I first started Peach and Lily, I did a lot of interviews with just beauty consumers. And it was pretty clear to me that when it comes to skincare, you can't ignore the brick and mortar stores. It's a touch and feel type of product. You want to see what the texture's like. You want to smell it. You want to talk to a beauty advisor. And I think I read in like an NPD report from that year that 94%, please don't quote me on the actual percentage, but some really high majority of people, the first purchase for skincare happens offline. And then replenishment maybe happens online, but that's really the comfort level. And so if we wanted to really introduce this category into the U.S. market properly, it was a no-brainer to me that we had to include where people are shopping and where people are discovering and where people feel comfortable trying new products for the first time. So it was definitely a tremendous opportunity when we were able to work with these retailers to really help curate these Korean beauty sections and to speak to those sections in a way that would hold true to Um, the products that we wanted to present and supplement that with as much information as possible and really think about how do you introduce a category when it's not yet a mature category. You don't want to overwhelm people with too much information, but you also don't want to not do the category justice. So there's a lot to think about. And it's also different based on each retailer because they're store environment or the way their store operates or what their consumers are expecting from the store is all different. So even thinking about those elements and really targeting per retailer, how that should come alive, you know, that was definitely, I think, one of the most creative things that we've had to think about, especially in the beginning before Korean beauty was more widely, you know, a known thing. Six years later, you know, Korean beauty is 
pretty well known here in the U.S. How do you think that customer has changed in the last six years from 2012, what she knows about the products, what she knows about Korean beauty, and how is that kind of continuing to evolve? So I loved watching this evolution (laughs) because it felt like true education was happening. So in the beginning, it was definitely Korean beauty. What is that? Is that just like beauty products for Korean people or, you know, lots of steps? Like why, you know, is this because each step is not doing enough? You know, there were just a lot of questions. Um, So in the beginning, it was definitely more questions about what is Korean beauty more broadly speaking. Then I would say a couple years into it, it was more focused about very specific topics. So oh, you know, I heard that Korean beauty products, there are a lot of really great ones that focus on, uh, a lot of really great ones that focus on brightening skin. So it's not bleaching agents, but it's really helping to even out dark spots and really combat stubborn melasma. And I heard that it's through these ingredients and, you know, snail mucin, for example, is really popular. So it was like very focused on specific concerns and how Korean beauty might deal with that. Then the next evolution was really a lot of people focusing on these fun hacks that would come out of Korea, like the seven skin layering method. So, you know, you take an essence or a hydrating toner, that's not like an astringent, but really a hydrating one, and you layer it onto clean skin seven layers in a row. You can actually, it's just kind of like a rule of thumb. You can do three layers, you can do 12, um, you can do 20. Um, we actually have like layering essences on our site where that particular product, for example, you can do the whole bottle. And so it's like getting this intensive facial where you're just really focused on a hydrating skin. So these fun little hacks, you know, we started seeing a lot of conversation about these hacks and intrigue about them and people trying it and seeing that they're really making a big difference on their skin. And then increasingly more, I think there's definitely kind of deep dive into brands, so specific brands. And I think it's signs that the category is definitely maturing, but also that it's not a trend. You know, I don't think seven years is really like too long for a trend. <laughs> so it's definitely a category that I think has been introduced and, you know, is is here to stay. How is, um, you know, education and content on your site and also um, education and content around Korean beauty and these mass retailers really kind of driving the conversation forward in Korean beauty? How is it, um, you know, whether it's product innovation or building trust around consumer um, engagement, what's kind of like the next step here in Korean beauty? Yeah, I mean, I think that the age of information being able to be shared in such an engaging way through social media, through content creators, through retailers who are really trying to engage consumers on an education and content level also, and not just having product on shelves. I think that is one of the key ways Korean beauty has grown. I think it would have actually been really hard like 15 years ago if it were, you know, much more about traditional media and, you know, just the education process would have been a bit slower. Um, And so I definitely think that the conversations you're able to have digitally, um, not just from brands or even peach and lily to our community, but our community members with each other. 
um, and engaging with each other and sharing notes and sharing reviews. And, you know, there's also this like really robust community of folks who are really into Korean beauty and they find each other and they bond and some of them have never even met in person. And it's, I think it's awesome because they'll literally like decant products and send it to each other and, you know, share in this like real way. And so I think that that's been a really critical part of the Korean beauty kind of evolution and the education around it. In terms of what's next, I think there's a lot of questions that do come up around formulas and specific and specific ingredients. And I do see that more and more there's a lot of people talking, but it's kind of centered around certain folks who are experts on those things, whether it's a cosmetic chemist who's on social media or, you know, influencers. Like one of my favorite, um, you know, one of my favorite YouTubers is Gothamista and she's just very informed and really knowledgeable and always sharing about skincare products. That's her big focus. And she focuses a lot on Korean beauty products. So, you know, there's a lot of folks who will, you know, kind of talk on her platform also. Um, and we see that a lot with with our community as well, you know, they might have like very extensive conversations with their estheticians, um, have conversations on our social media platforms. So I think getting to much more specific questions and having experts weigh in on it, um, I'm starting to see that a lot. We're gonna take a quick break to talk to you all about Glossy Plus. Glossy's membership program gives you full access to exclusive content and premium benefits to help you stay ahead of the rapidly changing beauty industry. As a treat for being one of our first listeners, head to glossy.co slash plus and use the code beautypod to get 20% off an annual subscription. That's code B-E-A-U-T-Y-P-O-D at glossy.co slash plus. Now back to the episode. Alicia, this has kind of been a big year for you. You know, you've dabbled in products before, you know, with, you know, the sheet masks you did with Barney's New York. Um, But this year you launched your own Peach and Lily branded um, product line. And um, tell us a little bit about that and what kind of was the impetus there? You know, what were you, what did you think was still missing in the market? And what did you think that you could do to make it better? A few years ago, we noticed that our community was talking a lot about things they're worried about when it comes to their skincare. You know, I am breastfeeding now. Is this okay to use? Or maybe it's not, you know, any life event like a pregnancy, but, you know, I just started noticing my skin's getting very sensitive. Is it because of some ingredients in my in these products that I've been using? Or I'm reading a lot about these controversial ingredients. Is this safe to use? Lots of worry. The other thing that we started noticing is our community, um, especially in talking with our estheticians, there's a lot of requests for very cutting edge formulas. So maybe this is almost verbatim. You know, we'll have people ask for things like, I've tried 15% vitamin C. I know it's clinically proven. And yeah, there are results, but is there something more? You know, I want to see even bigger results and I don't want the downside of it. So 
those two things started coming up a lot for us um, a few years ago. So we wanted to create a brand that was number one, totally worry-free. No toxins, no sensitizing agents, no irritants. And then number two, we really, really were like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's go to the top tier labs and let's make this happen. Let's come up with those breakthrough formulas and really, really create these formulas that are worry-free and yet will deliver results that truly wow and push boundaries. And so we actually approached the labs and we were like, we don't have a product development timeline. This is basically what we need to do. And we can't take things that are kind of off the shelf. Um, and it, it's really hard to take it off the shelf also because our exclusionary list of ingredients was pretty extensive. Um, and so we told them, if it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. It's ready when it's ready. You know, we don't need to launch it at any given point. We just want to launch it when it's ready. So that was, you know, really the impetus behind the brand, just what we were seeing from our community, what they were asking for. Um, and then the third and fourth pieces was the brand promise is number one, worry-free, number two, results that really push boundaries. Number three, it has to be sensorially delightful because I definitely see that consistency is a really big challenge when it comes to skincare. And if you don't love your products, if you don't like the way it feels, I mean, it's just not going to happen, you know? And then number four, accessibility. So how do we keep the formulas in, how do we keep the formulas really high quality, but we do everything we can with operational efficiencies, with economies of scale, with cutting out middlemen and all of these things to bring the cost down and pass all of that onto our consumers. Um, and so it's just having this like value driven proposition for our consumers and, you know, they really see, oh, wow, like this formula is really high quality and yet all of the products are, you know, very accessibly priced. So, um, yeah, that was, that was, it was really our community that was the inspiration behind the line. And Alicia, you know, you guys launched um, the Peach and Lily branded products on your own site first, and then later with Ulta, kind of going back to what you were saying about how important it is for um, customers to kind of feel and touch and experience those products in like a traditional retail environment. Can you talk to me a little bit about that strategy about doing your own site first and then moving on to one of the major players in beauty? Yeah, we definitely wanted to partner with a brick and mortar retailer. And that omni-channel strategy, I think, is really critical for, you know, just the way a brand can be introduced to the market and the way that we can also improve the experience all around. So as an example, on your website, you're doing all the storytelling, you're fielding all of the reviews and the questions, and there's just a lot more engagement that you can have at scale. Then you can take some of those insights and actually implement that offline. And in a brick and mortar store environment, you're there talking to consumers, you see instantly what they're reacting to and so forth, and then you can implement that on your website. So that 360 experience is very synergistic um, and it only helps us deliver more and more what the consumer is looking for. Um, and so I think that is 
so a quick example of that would be in a brick and mortar store environment, somebody can walk up and, you know, just be so taken by the subtle but very uplifting scent of the matcha pudding antioxidant cream. And we actually noticed that a lot. They're like, oh my gosh, this smells so good. And that gave us the insight to try to explain that better on our website. Um, and I realized like that is so hard to do also because I'm always like, how do you describe a scent? But, you know, that would be, that was like a key insight for us after doing certain things offline. Um, and then the other way around would be, you know, we saw our glass skin refining serum really take off. Um, and it's, I think it's a little early to say exactly what the heroes are, but, you know, for sure the glass skin refining serum is really popular. It's like sold out everywhere right now. And so, um, little things like that, we know that we want to support that serum, you know, with the top shelf placement and making it easy for people to find. Um, so things like that, you just see synergies both ways. Um, and even with in-field support, um, and even with support in the stores with a lot of our beauty advisors, um, we know the questions that will come up because we see the questions come up on our website so we can provide better education so that they can better communicate those key answers to our community when they meet the products in the stores. So there's just a lot of back and forth that I think creates a really seamless and robust experience and it just makes it all the better for consumers. So that was for sure, you know, a, a must have for us, an omni-channel experience. Um, and in terms of launching it first on our website, we we didn't launch it too much before on our website. It was just about a month. Um, and that was primarily to help kind of tell the story on our website in a pretty robust way um, and then launch it in stores. But it was very, very back-to-back. It was about a month apart. So you know, it wasn't too far, too far out. Korean beauty has obviously become quite big in the last few years. I mean, are you seeing other more mainstream or American, traditionally American brands kind of borrowing elements of Korean beauty and incorporating it um, into their own lines? I mean, do you think that that is, there's some been some sort of halo effect of um, incorporating Korean beauty and making those brands even more and more relevant? Have you seen that at all? Oh, 100%. So Cosmax is one of the largest manuf- the Cosmax is one of the largest contract manufacturers for cosmetics in Korea, and I believe they were number 1 last year. They surpassed Intercos in Italy. Yeah, so Cosmax I think became number 1 globally last year, and a lot of that growth came from western brands. And, you know, some examples that come to mind, the Cushion Compact, um, even BB cream, sheet masks are a big one modeling rubber masks and then ingredient stories like centella asiatica which you might see on packaging as sika and that's a plant that tigers roll around in to help heal their wounds and it became a very popular ingredient in korea and a lot of brands you know from all countries are now using that um yeah so you you do definitely see a lot of that do you think that 
by those brands kind of incorporating Korean beauty into their own cosmetics and beauty lines is kind of helping strengthen the message or do you think it's distilling the message? Do you think, um, you know, it gets more American consumers to know about Korean beauty in a more extensive way or do you think it's the pure players like Peach and Lily that are really driving the conversation? Good question. I think some brands introduce products in a way where it helps raise awareness about Korean beauty because they will stay true to the heritage of the ingredient, explain it in a really dynamic way. Other brands, sometimes it's like a little bit taken out of context. And so I think that isn't as helpful. Some brands, if it's a product category, they might introduce it in the right way. As an example, in essence, um, you know, they might really describe it as it really is all about hydration and you would use it after cleansing and toning. And it's like this step that might be missing in your routine and so forth. Other brands might explain it in a way where it actually isn't really how an essence might be used. You know, here's an all in one and now you don't have to do anything else, you know, something like that. And so I think it really depends on how the brand introduces it. Um, and of course, my preference is for when they introduce it in a way that stays pretty accurate to, you know, the source of the inspiration. Totally. Um, you mentioned this earlier with, um, you know, your own line that it was so important to, for it to be worry free and that people were kind of caring more about what was in their products and ingredients. And, you know, we're seeing such a huge huge boom in the wellness industry as well and how wellness and beauty are kind of kind of becoming commingled how um how do you think that kind of um informs korean beauty or is it was korean beauty informing wellness i love that question because i do think that having grown up in korea skincare is a hundred percent a part of wellness and so i'm not sure like what's informing what but i do love the trend because your skin is like a window into what's happening in your body. It's really, really hard to have great skin if you're using the best products, but at the same time, you're not sleeping at all. You're incredibly stressed out and you're eating, you know, just tons and tons of like sugar and you're dehydrated and so forth. So and actually, when you are in esthetician school, you do study the skin very holistically. So you're studying nutrition, you're studying like your entire system through all your body, you're studying the endocrine system, etc. It's not just the histology of the skin. And so I actually do think that tying that together makes sense. And in Korea, there's there was this thing called the well-being movement, well-being is what they call it. And that was, I want to say like 15 years ago. And it was all about just becoming this like very healthy version of yourself. And it was all tied in together. You know, there would be like, I would go to like an organic, I don't know, um, like juice stand and they would like literally have drinks called, you know, beautiful skin drink, you know, and things like that. And Meanwhile, you also go into beauty stores and you have different supplements. And they're not all straightforward supplements like collagen supplement, but they are things that are just like multivitamins also. 
because you just need to be healthy in order to also have great skin. So it's all interrelated. You know, your skin is a part of your body and everything impacts it. You know, usually breakouts, it's almost 100% correlated to inflammation in the body. So it's, you know, and I have severe eczema, so I know all about that anti-inflammation life and um, how whatever is happening in my body will show up on my skin. So I think that that trend makes a ton of sense. And that's, I think, the right way to approach skin. Um, And I hope it continues to grow and become something that people are really focused on. Do you think um, in terms of, you know, beauty, this idea of like beauty from the inside out, you know, that it, that it has historically been part of like Korean culture and Korean, um, beauty, you know, do you think that it's just all part of like, you know, Americans starting to realize that self-care is important now more than ever? I'm not sure that Korean beauty was the biggest influence on skincare and beauty from the inside out, you know, becoming this big topic in self-care, but I do see that there is a lot of tie in there. And I also do see that when it comes to just topical skincare products and the skincare routines, we have so many people emailing with testimonials about how before they kind of thought about skincare as sort of this like quick fix. And when they really switched over to this Korean beauty routine, where it's these gentle layers focused on hydration and antioxidants and over time, and we're not talking years, we're talking weeks, over time really transforming skin that they saw results they never thought possible. You know, they were like, I never thought that I would have clear skin. I had such intense hormonal acne. I never thought that, you know, my flaky dull skin could literally look like some skincare ad. You know, we have these incredible testimonials. So I do think that when it comes to just a topical skincare approach, people are seeing that even with your skin itself, that instead of focusing on just like the surface level results, but getting the foundation of healthy skin right with a very comprehensive, gentle routine, and you can truly transform your skin from the inside out, that we're seeing a lot of. And then I think kind of beauty from the in inside out, like your body and everything, Um, Korean beauty does talk to that a bit and that's part of like the Korean beauty culture Um, but I think there's a lot of other things happening you know in the U.S. right now that are lending to people just really focusing on that which I think is great. Um, We have time for one last question. So Alicia for Peach and Lily and um, you know for Korean beauty at large what do you kind of see the next phase being Um, you know when you started six years ago, did you ever think, you know, that it would be this big as it is today? I don't know what I was expecting in terms of like where it would all go. I guess all I can say is I'm so happy to see that, you know, it's become something that's much more mainstream and people are talking about it and there's so much more awareness about it. In terms of where it's going, you know, I think that I always say that an industry is as innovative as consumers are demanding and Korean consumers in Korea are the most intensively demanding consumers you will ever find. I have, I talked to a lot of dermatologists in Korea, I interview like a lot of them just to keep my finger on the pulse. And they all literally are like, 
I need to move to another country because I can't do my job anymore. Everyone who comes in here, they act like a dermatologist. They know so much and they have these intense standards. Like this one person came to me the other day, you know, someone sharing. She had perfect skin and she walked in and she was like, no, I know my skin is pretty, pretty awesome. It's pretty flawless, but... I have slightly less translucent skin than when I was like a child. And that is sun damage you're seeing inside my skin. And she's like, and I want you to make that translucency come back, but I don't want you to irritate my skin. He's like, that that was the request. And so, you know, you just have these consumers who are hyper demanding, as well as a very competitive marketplace, as well as watchdog apps like Quahead that everybody uses that talks about how great the, it's like Yelp meets EWG. So they will analyze your products down to every last ingredient. They will call out toxins and exactly why it might not be great for you. And they will also leave reviews about the products. So it can't just be like clean. It also has to be great. And they will also comment about like if it's too expensive or not. I mean, I've had consumers, I'll do consumer shop alongs and interviews with consumers on the street. And I've had consumers like literally tell me, I like this product better because actually this one has this like higher quality ingredient, even though this one has more of it. I mean, it gets so specific. And so all that to say for a brand to be super competitive in Korea, they have to innovate. They have to deliver on all fronts, value, the sensorial experience, convenience, efficacy, all of that. And so the pace of innovation in Korea for brands literally to survive sometimes is dizzying. You know, I go there once a month or two and every time, you know, I'm seeing and discovering like such incredible things coming out of these labs. So I think that because you have this beauty culture in Korea, the consumers are really informing how fast those innovations have to happen. And it's like a really fast rate. So coming out of Korea, I think we can continue to expect really interesting innovations, Um, you know, things that we may not even be thinking about right now or can even imagine. And that's just going to continue to happen. And, you know, I think that's where it'll be, whether it's brands going and making their products there and the innovations are in their brand lineup or Korean brands being introduced with those innovations. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alicia. It was great having you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Capadona, the producer of this podcast. If you enjoy the Glossy Beauty Podcast and aren't a Glossy Plus subscriber yet, it's time to consider joining to get access to all of Glossy's content, member events, ticket discounts, Slack chats, and more. Head to glossy.co slash plus and use the code PRIYA25, P-R-I-Y-A 25, for 25% off an annual subscription. Don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Beauty Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and leave us any feedback you have.